My name is Stephen Downey and you are very welcome to episode 20 of the Mindful Living Guide. This week I have the absolute pleasure of chatting to someone who I've learned an awful lot about mindfulness from over the years and that is Jane Niggeridge, the Managing Director of The Sanctuary in Dublin City. Uh, many people will know The Sanctuary as it was founded by Sister Stan many years ago and they continue to provide many courses in mindfulness, uh, yoga and many different traditions uh, throughout the years. But this Monday, the 12th of April, is a special day because it's also a year since they set up their online uh, community, which now not only provides meditation courses and practices to people throughout Ireland, but also internationally as people have joined them from all over the world. I hope you get a lot from this episode. I really, really enjoyed the conversation. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode of The Mindful Living Guide. Today, I have the absolute honor of being joined by Jane Negridge. She is the Managing Director of the Sanctuary, a haven in the heart of Dublin City, where I've had the pleasure of studying mindfulness over the last few years. Um, Jane has been also associated with the Mindfulness Association in the UK for many, many years and has taught many programs. And I'm sure thousands of students have gone through the programs that Jane have has uh, shared. I'm so, so happy to have you on the show. You're very welcome, Jane Nigridge. Oh, thank you, Stephen. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. Jane, I have learned so much from you over the years, and um, it's just a pleasure to have someone with such a deep, deep knowledge of mindfulness uh, to come on the show and just share their own journey and maybe some mindfulness tips that they might have to, to share with our listeners. Um, if you could just start on, on your own journey uh, into mindfulness and where it began for you. So I suppose my own mindfulness uh, journey, you know, really began with a moment of suffering. <laughs> and I'm sure many people will be able to identify with that. Usually, you know, um, there can be any number of ways or reasons why you might be motivated to try mindfulness, but mine was very tangible. I was struggling with um, post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm a burn survivor. And when I was, I guess, I suppose when I was 20 years old, I was, as you can hear from my accent, I'm not Irish, I'm Canadian. And when I was 20, I was still living in Canada and I was working at a fly-in fishing resort and someone threw petrol on, on a campfire and it exploded. And there was this really big dramatic accident um, in which I lost a friend and there was another, another person who was 65% third degree burn and I had 45% third degree burn. And it was a long recovery, but I was young and, and I was just so eager to get better and to, to get moving, even though I had at that time been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress. Um, I started moving about the world and I, I, you know, I met an Irish man and moved to Ireland and got married and had babies. And it wasn't until life started getting a bit quiet when my kids all went to school that the PTSD reared its head again. 
and I was really, really sick with it. Um, I couldn't get out of the bed with it. And I remember going uh, to see the doctor and the doctor, you know, um, prescribed me some medication, which was great. I, I went on meds for a short while, but he also really encouraged me to, you know, get put some tools in place so that I can maintain, you know, my mental health, because this is something that would be coming up from time to time, probably for the rest of my life. So I went down um, to Zogchen Bera, which is in County Cork. And on a, a my girlfriend and I went down and, and we learned how to meditate. And uh, it was it was really interesting experience. And I kept seeing the word mindfulness everywhere. And I started doing mindfulness retreats and reading and doing mindfulness courses. And at the time, I was actually thinking about going back to Trinity to do a master's in, in English lit, because that was my passion. And I saw this advertisement for the master's at the University of Aberdeen in mindfulness studies and mindfulness. And a last minute decision just took me there and I haven't looked back. Wow. And so it wasn't that um, it wasn't a, a long drawn out kind of process of I, this is the this is the place I'm going to be. It was it, it was a, a split decision to say this is what I want. Yeah, I think that um, I think that I'd been practicing for, you know, about two or three years at that time. And I was involved a little bit with the, the Plum Village tradition. You know, we had built a Sangha here where I live in Balting Glass. There was about five or six of us that we met weekly and practiced. And um, it was something that was bringing meaning to my life. And I really wanted, uh, when I thought about um, what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, in that moment, that's what was alive. And I didn't second, I, I can't believe, I, I mean, I, now every so often I, I have a hankering to go and, you know, study English literature and get a PhD and, you know, and do something like that. But that's just, you know, following, sort of following your bliss and, um, no, I don't think I looked back. I, it was, it was, it just took, it just took me. It just, I just went with it as it unfolded. Yeah. And did you, did you move over to Scotland then for it or were you doing it remotely from Ireland or? No, I, um, you could do it remotely. What, well, what it, it was, it was a combination of on-site and off-site study. So I think there was about six weekends in a year. I can't remember exactly. So I would fly over. It was a big deal because my kids were really young. They were small and I, I was frightened to leave them, but, um, yeah, it felt a bit like an adventure. I would fly over to Edinburgh and take a train down to Sami Ling, which is in the borders and, um, spend a weekend learning and practicing and then you'd go home and you'd do all the reading and research and writing your papers and it was it was a completely transformative experience for me i'd say it was it's it's that kind of immersive um part of it i think as well that really trying to a lot of people say it really transforms them that to be um so immersed in the course for for the whole weekend and mm. that kind of started the, the relationship then with the, the Mindfulness Association, I presume, in the, in the UK and to, be, yeah. to go on to teach for them. 
Well, it's funny the way things happened, you know, because the Mindfulness Association at that point, you know, they were just kind of starting a membership and wanting to create a membership. And they were looking for somebody to kind of look after their online communications, but mostly to, you know, like moderate um, discussion boards on their membership website. And at that time, I was working for the University of Winnipeg in in Canada from a distance as a teaching assistant on in in English in the English department so I was moderating discussion boards grading papers you know this kind of stuff so I had experience and that's why I thought oh I could do that job and I applied and you know and they said they said well, sure, you no problem that you live in Ireland, you can do this from a distance, but you will have to fly over to Manchester, you know, once a month. And I thought about, it, I thought that's doable, do you know, for for a night to go over to Manchester. And um, I st and it's really ironic because the the discussion boards quickly evaporated, and that's not what happened with my job. I ended up, you know. You know helping run the membership and and started which is really ironic because this was many years ago started doing online the online meditation sessions for for the membership because the the mindfulness association everyone lives you know in different places and they teach courses in london in glasgow in edinburgh in manchester in, in parts of europe uh, you know all throughout the uk and they wanted to know how could they build this membership they were going to send me to all these cities and have me do like little membership weekends with 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 the members and then we just thought you know maybe i thought maybe the easiest thing to do would be to do an on something online and we started and there was like six or seven people you know coming each week and it just started to grow and grow and grow and my job then just became started looking after the website started doing the membership sets but then started teaching for them as as um as years went on and and just expanded from there wow and then you one day decided that the sanctuary was calling and i think is it was it november 2018 or so that you you moved back then to the sanctuary or yeah um i think i was getting tired of traveling a lot and i was really conscious of of what you know all that travel was doing to the environment because <laughs> i was traveling like probably a weekend a month you know at least one you know flying somewhere and and doing something and i was getting really tired um and the sanctuary uh yeah they it was really interesting yeah, they we just started talking with the sanctuary and um, what really happened was I went and I did apply for sort of like an administrative role, just thinking, oh, maybe I won't travel so much. Maybe I'll just do a job where, you know, is completely unrelated, but it's still related in some way. And in the end, I, I, I said no, because it, I knew that, you know, I would need to I would need a bit more. And then they contacted me because they were looking for a program manager and there was a, a, a position opening up and and then entered into a series of interviews. And yeah. What what was your first impression? Because I know for myself, when I first walked into the sanctuary um, and I probably told you many times that 
my wife uh, works very close to where the building is and but I never knew it was there and you always kind of wonder what's over that wall because there's a high wall around it but (laughs) I just there's just such a sense the first time you ever walk into the garden of the sanctuary and I wonder what what was that like for you? Well I had been there before that I um, actually when I was studying to do my master's what I wrote my dissertation on was all the different wisdom traditions and the methodologies from the contemplative perspective that they used into accessing that choice point of mindfulness, you know? And so I looked at Zen Buddhism and Tibetan Buddhism, and I looked at Christian Christianity, and I looked at the secular approaches, and I did a comparative piece. And when I was researching about the Christian um, side of things, I discovered Brother Richard Hendrick, who teaches for the sanctuary, and he was teaching a Christian meditation course. So I signed up for it and I went and um, was completely blown away. I had no idea that these kind of teachings uh, resided in, in the Christian tradition. And um, it was a really enriching experience. And I think when I first got to the sanctuary then, yeah, it was um, it was magical. It is magical, you know, but as you say, you're walking down the street, it looks, you know, it's really hard to get into and it's very well gated. And we're working on that. We're working on making it more accessible uh, as as we move forward. Uh, but yeah, and getting inside and experiencing the gardens and it was nighttime, it was a nighttime course and the lovely lighting in the garden, you know, and the tranquility. Yeah, it was special. For, any, for anyone who hasn't been there, I always um the only thing I can compare to um is if you ever see the the Kratty Kid and Mr. Miyagi's beautiful garden yeah. with all this <laughs> beautiful um decking around and but it's in the heart of Dublin. Like it's just it is beautiful. Yeah. And um, what's really exciting, Stephen, is right now at this moment, we have been developing and and planting a biodiversity field. Wow, that's attached to the sanctuary. So actually, um, I think that you might even have walked in that. Yeah, I was about to say I did some mindful walking around there. You did with me. I snuck you guys in because you were part (laughs) of my course. (laughs) But it wasn't open to the it wasn't open, really. And um, and we have put in beautiful labyrinths. There's three labyrinths and there is a heritage orchard um that houses all native apple plum and pear trees there's fig trees it's going to be like a little eden you know there's beautiful forest Uh, one against one wall is all um birch trees do you know so it's just magic it's going to even be even more magical so it's such a it's such a beautiful beautiful place and one thing i i wanted to touch on kind of some of the stuff that i that i've learned um over the time uh, in the sanctuary and there's something that keeps coming up um, over and over again that I think a lot of people who haven't studied mindfulness um, they have this impression that people that study mindfulness are always calm and they're never nothing ever goes wrong and what I love teaching about and, ta- and talking to people about is that it's about the acceptance and the awareness of the ups and downs in life and that we don't always have to be calm and nothing always has to be perfect but just to kind of and you always use the term of just polishing around the edges of the uncomfortableness 
And could you talk about that and just the, the uncertainty that many people that, that study mindfulness and teach mindfulness still experience? Oh, gosh, I wish my teenagers were here. They would tell you I'm not calm. At all. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that goes for young kids as well. Actually, my young kids would say the same. <laughs> Oh, I remember my daughter made a video and she was like, my name's Jade. <laughs> People think I have my stuff together. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I think that, you know, and it's really interesting. I think that probably I remember even when I first came to mindfulness and it was from a place of suffering and I wanted the suffering to go away. And I wanted a bit of calm and I wanted peace. I wanted lots of things from mindfulness, actually. <laughs> and I had a lot of expectations placed on mindfulness's shoulders, you know. Um, but I think that on reflect, you know, where I am now to when I can remember in desperation, you know, being out at this this apple tree and being like, oh, please, you know, let, let me feel better, please. You know, I'm practicing. Everything's OK. It's OK. And um, it was I was still fighting for it. I was still fighting for some sense of peace, some sense of calm. And in that fight, I was creating all this tension and, you know, probably quadrupling my level of discomfort. Um, and it wasn't until actually I just let it go. I just thought, OK, it's not happening. <laughs> this magical switch isn't being switched on. So let's just see what it might be like, you know, if I just continue to practice and see how how things went. And what I started to notice was not necessarily calm or peace, but I was starting to relate to things differently. I was starting to see that actually when um, some of my symptoms, my PTSD symptoms, which can be really physical, started to um, appear rather than going to that place of fear. I was going, ah, okay, well, this has happened before. Started to recognize, ah, I've been here before. And you know what? I survived it. Okay. So how can I just be nice or even just allow it rather than try to fight it? And that was really um, the, the complete the comp that was the switch being turned on. But it didn't happen like all of a sudden. It happened, you know, it's still happening. There's still times that, you know, the switch feels a little bit dim, you know, but um, it was a slow process. And indeed, I think what some of the other elements of mindfulness that have really helped was that this whole cultivation of kindness and care and self-compassion. So if I am not feeling calm or if I am, you know, really struggling, at least I can remember and give myself permission to be nice to myself, to just simply be nice to myself when that's there, you know, to let myself um, off the hook and not off the hook in a sense that I'm going to scream and shout and get mad at the world, but let myself off the hook from fighting it. And kind of be a little more gentle to herself, really, that rather than and, and many, many people that journey you just described, I think is common to a lot of people that come to mindfulness that we kind of we come with a lot of expectations so that when it's not suddenly happening, we can feel very guilty and we can feel very hard on ourselves. And I think that's one of the, the, the best traits, I think, of mindfulness is that non-judgment and just it is what it is, you know, and just like you said, just letting it happen. And that's that's when when the magic when the magic happens. The um, 
and one thing actually, I, I other thing I want to talk about is the massive change that's happened in the last year. Um, obviously, we're coming up to the the one year anniversary of when people were sent home from the sanctuary, and yeah. there was all those unknowns and what what can we do? And but the sanctuary has stepped up and created the most amazing online community over the last twelve months. And um, can you talk about that? Oh, it's just fantastic. It warms my heart. <laughs> when I think about the sanctuary community, it's just, you know, it just, it just, um, it's a place to belong. It's a place to belong to. It's a place to turn to. It's a place where we can have these conversations. It's a place where we can share these very real, raw, you know, experiences. Um, yeah, when we were sent home a year ago, much like everyone else, you know, everybody else in, in the working world was having to adapt, you know, and, and you know, think about plan B. I was really lucky because I had done those online meditations for, for the Mindfulness Association. So I had a bit of experience. So I wasn't afraid of using Zoom, which was probably a great thing. And, um, and, when we went online, I think we were blown away. The first online meditation, I think there was like 50 or 60 people. And like we, you know, we had, you know, you know, probably a dozen to 20 people coming in, you know, for the drop-in sessions, do you know? So this was like, oh, yeah. look at that. <laughs> People, people, people. It was want suddenly it. accessible to people that people that were from all over the country could now suddenly go on <sighs> uh, online and practice. Yeah, and that number kept rising. And then I think I remember Sister Stan did, uh, we were raising money for the sanctuary for our caregiver program, which again, what just completely doubled in size over COVID and for right reasons, do you know that caregivers are really struggling at this moment. But when Sister, St we were doing the Dawn Chorus, which was really exciting. We were going to do it in Phoenix Park, you know, and have the Dublin Gospel Choir there singing a response. It was going to be a big event and it all got switched to just you know facebook live you know so it was like really fast and um sister stan did a uh, a course that she usually teaches in the sanctuary uh a fee paying course called mindfully waiting for easter and she said let's just do, do it for donation for the dawn chorus and i think something like 250 people showed up and we were just like we need to up our zoom capacity level fast <laughs> you know yeah. and um and it was just so inspiring and wonderful to be able to be there for people to be able to hold that space and indeed you know this just went from strength to strength we've had dr tony bates doing donation based stuff we've had professor ian robertson so the generosity of all of the the Ireland's leading thinkers, you know, have have really um, have really been able to use the space to help others as well. And um, now I think that pretty much throughout our weeks, we fill between 500 and 600 spaces at our community meditations every week. It's just amazing. The diversity, do you know, the the where people, we used to just service Dublin, the Dublin area, and now we're on this 
big national, international level. We have people logging on from all over Europe, do you know? Um, we've had people from New York for a while, you know, popping in. We've had someone from from Taiwan, from Australia. So it's really, it's really exciting. But what's really exciting is hearing from people, you know, hearing them share their experiences, you know, hearing them talk about, you know, getting through this. It feels like we're all moving through this paradigm shift together and we're not alone. And I think that's so important for people that, to know that they're not alone because it's so easily when we are socially isolated, when we're not getting to visit people, to feel like we are alone. And that they're like it's we always talk about it in our in our self-compassion and our, our self-compassion break about that common humanity and how we can really shift the focus of, of ourselves when we when we understand that we're not alone and we're go- everybody's going through this together. Yeah. And even for myself, you know, I'm a Canadian. I'm separated from my family. Um, I used to go home every single summer um, and I haven't been home in three summers, you know, and um and to hear people logging on from Italy, you know, who are like, I'm, I can't get to see my mother or to hear people from who someone logged on from America and their daughter was here in Ireland and they were practicing together transatlantically through the sanctuary, you know, and feeling that actually, because I can go to that place too, that place of, you know, poor Jane, she hasn't seen her family. No one, no one has it as hard as me. You know, and then you hear everyone sharing and you go, ah, actually, you know, this is this is a shared suffering. And maybe we can hold each other up a little bit by coming together and ha- giving voice to it. Just yeah. hold that space together. Yeah. Um, Jane, there's, there's a, a question I ask all of my guests and I think of, of anybody I've ever asked, you're probably the the person that that might have the, the a, a great answer to this question. Gosh. But, it's um what does mindful living mean in your world what does it mean to live mindfully well i think that it's it's an aspiration to live mind fully mindfully all the time um mindfulness in my world means really um really not turning away from that, which is difficult, do you know, really embracing whatever it is that's arising in my experience, in my moments, holding my seat, you know, for those times I want to run and hide, hearing the critical voice come on my shoulder and tell me, I can't do this. Who do you think you are? Even when you said that, you putting that expectation of me having a good answer. It's like, yeah, I actually actually said that before. What, what is that? You know, I was most interested in hearing your answer. (laughs) Yeah. So noticing all those things, but, but rather than, rather than trying to, you know, push them down or change them in any way, just allowing them just to be what they are with bringing in that kindness and that care. But I think it goes beyond it. It's also meaning it's meaning making for me. So it's finding, um, for me, it's finding the sacredness in each moment, actually. 
it is finding the sacredness. It's bringing in little rituals, you know, so that that they remind me to know what is happening while it's happening, to touch in with the moment. Do you know, like even as I'm talking with you here, I have this little, you know, oil burner and it has, you know, oils from my forest in Canada. Do you know, wow. I have little things all over the place that are making it really easy to, to, to be sitting here, do you know, present, giving me strength, giving me the tools to be present for whatever it is that's arising. It's also knowing what's important in some ways. Um, for me, I, I, I talk about them all the time in the sits. I have non-negotiables that I like to have in my life. You know, I like to make the space. Yes, there's space for work. This is this is what I'm doing when I'm in work. Um, and I'm really lucky that I get to practice mindfulness when I'm in work. Um, but there's also making space for my own personal private practice of just for Jane, you know, practicing for Jane. Jane is practicing and I might I might do that in sitting meditation. I might do that through art. I might do that through walking meditation. I might do that through cooking meditation. It's really being present for these non-negotiables in my life so that so that my cup is full, you know, so that if if something does, you know, get thrown at me, that that happens. Life throws all sorts of things that at least I have. Um, I have a, a, something in my cup to hold me steady beautiful jane thank you so much for this conversation i've really really enjoyed the time uh taking the time to chat um and to maybe people uh listening now that actually have never been to the sanctuary have never been to any community practices so what's the best way for them to get involved if they do want to look up the the sanctuary courses or or the practices oh yeah just go to our website we have a free resources page where you could sign up for the community meditations and in like log on and all you have to do is sign out a form and that's really for security purposes to make sure that you know we holding a safe space and and you'll get sent each week you know the three free login details uh we meet on a Monday morning. We have movement, which is wonderful, with one of our yoga teachers does mindful movement for those who are stuck at home and can't, you know, get moving from 9.30 to 9.45. And then I lead the practice at 10. And then we meet on a Wednesday evening at 7.30 and Thursday lunchtime at 1.15. But there's also always other events happening, like the dawn chorus, where we'll be challenged to get up and listen to this, you know, the birds singing on dawn chorus day on May 2nd, or, you know, the likes of donation based workshops with Tony Bates, you know, Professor Ian Robs. I think we have Harry Berry, Dr. Harry Berry's oh, wow. coming up in June. Um, so we have all sorts of things there's that you can touch in with. But most importantly, it's our um, our policy not to turn anyone away, you know, for financial reasons or any other reason. So to to make sure that that to get in contact, we have a space for you and a place to belong to. That's beautiful. Jane, thank you so much for joining us on today on the Mindful Living Guide. You're welcome. Thank you, Stephen, for having me. So there you have our lovely episode with Jane Niggridge. 
the website that Jay mentioned there near the end was the is sanctuary.ie that's sanctuary.ie and you'll find all the details of all the practices uh, coming up and uh, you can sign up for the the free uh, practice there during the week it has been an absolute pleasure having Jane on the show and uh, she continues to grow this sanctuary from strength to strength even online in these very strange times over the last year and um, that's really it for me um, I just want to thank everybody who has been joining our meditation sessions on sunday nights on insight timer it has gone from strength to strength as well there was 117 people in the group on sunday night which i was blown away by uh, and it was just a really beautiful space that we created and i think everyone really enjoyed uh, the meditation practice so if you want to join us um by all means please um if you go to insighttimer.com forward slash mindful living guide and mindful living guide is all lowercase or if you go to insighttimer.com forward slash stephen downey and if you follow me at either of those links uh, you will get notified of any update and upcoming live meditation practices so listen that's it for me for another week i really hope you enjoy the show and please keep sharing it if you're on apple i'd love if you uh, rate a review it really helps to push the show out to more people the more uh, reviews that we get and um, so i'd really appreciate that so for another week i'm stephen downey and this has been the mindful living guide <laughs> <laughs>